The great Kia Vaughn is here to talk about basketball and transitioning from one position to the next with the Atlanta Dream. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, thanking you for being part of the only daily women's basketball podcast there is. We are up six days a week, Monday through Friday, all things past, present, and future women's basketball. Saturday, the WNBA Draft Show. We're getting down to it about a month ago until April 10th, so make sure you are listening to that as well. And it's not just brought to you by me. You can subscribe to us. YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, it's all of us at The Next Hoops, thenexthoops.com, where we have over 100 reported pieces every single month, well over 50 here in March alone. It's March 9th, but of course, it is a very busy time of year. And you know who else it's a very busy time of year for? That is Kia Vaughn, who I have had the honor and the privilege of covering as a player, And she is now the Atlanta Dreams Basketball Operations Associate, part of the Dreams Retired Player Transition Program. Kia, I I, I will be honest with you. My first reaction was a personal one, a point of personal privilege. I was very sad, the idea that we wouldn't get to continue to cover you after a distinguished WNBA career. I'm sorry that you have to deal with us now as a member of the front office, but welcome back to the program. (laughs) Thank you, Howard. Uh, Don't be sad. Um, (laughs) As long as I'm still a part of the basketball community, I think it all, it's going to be perfect. Um, I'm always around. These interviews can be about other players now and, you know, just the ideas of what I see uh, from here on out. I do, though. It's fine. We can talk about other players and that's fine. But I think people need to understand the career that was just completed here, what you have done over a decade and a half in this league. And I just want to start it by talking about a WNBA front office member. It was a conversation a couple of years ago. We were talking about a lot of different things uh, in the course of my reporting. And you came up and the the point was, Kia will always have a job because of what she brings to a locker room. And I, you know, I I've heard about it. I've seen it firsthand, but I just wonder how much pride you take in that being not just what you brought day to day playing in this league, but just that in so many ways, that was your legacy here in the WNBA. It it makes me feel, it makes me feel really good. Um, You know, Unfortunately, I wasn't one of those players who got the the accolades um, and night in and night out, you know, the consistent number that I would have loved didn't show up every day. But the impact that I had on the players around me and the staff around me and, you know, being a part of some some of the great, um, you know, teams that I was on, um, Liberty, the Mystics, Phoenix, Atlanta, and they all feel the same way about me. It, it really makes me proud. Um, and I'm actually, you know, 
Oh, it, it brings it brings so many emotions because I only moved at, in an organic way, being like just naturally a caregiver, a loving person, um, you know, natural leader because of all of my siblings. And it's it was the bittersweet thing that I actually had to grow up faster than I have I would have liked growing up, but it actually helped me with being an adult. I, I understood like people are following you. Um, you always have to lead by example, no matter the outcome continue to be yourself. And that paid off. That paid off. Um, and it allowed me to be in the league for as long as I was, as much as there was other things that I was trying to tackle that became, you know, the the thing about me and what people, how and why people wanted me around. So it makes me feel good. I know it makes my mom proud. It makes me proud. Um, and you can't buy, you can't buy this. You can't teach this. You can't buy it. No, you can't. And again, it's been the case everywhere you've gone, but it even, and, and I know I want to talk to you, of course, and, and especially uh, about what you're doing now and moving forward. But I do, I am a big believer that attention must be paid when there are, th there are 26 years, 26 seasons of the WNBA behind us now, and you have played in 13 of them. I think there is a legacy there that people need to talk about, to understand. And, you know, it dates back, quite frankly, to your collegiate years at Rutgers. And, you know, I think we both have a sadness about the fact that Vivian Strainer, who obviously has done so much in this sport, is no longer coaching. But how much did Vivian set you up for the ability to be able to play in this league? Uh, the way you did? Coach Stringer had, uh, first off, she's she's an amazing woman. She's an amazing coach. Um, her impact on the women's game will live on forever and ever and ever. Uh, we all appreciate her. She's given us a piece of who she is to all of her players, from Cheney, you know, um, to Rutgers. Um, it's, it's sad to see for the basketball community for her to leave the game but as a person who knew her also like uh, as Vivian Stringer and being a mom and her just being a person, she needed this time away yeah. to be with her family. Um, and I believe, you know, just to, to live out whatever she can in a positive and more like stressless mm -hmm. way. Cause I know basketball brings a lot of stress to her. And I just think that her being with her family, her kids, especially, it's it's going to be amazing for her as of right now within the, the end of basketball for her. She, um, she deserves it. <laughs> she has earned it. Deserve is there's always a, I'm always looking for a word that would mean that, that you know, that has more power behind mm. it than deserve. Um, because just her day in and day out of her sacrifice and the time that she spent away from her kids and stuff, you know, just the effort she put in every day. Um, I know it was draining probably to her, but the drainage was actually filling the cups of so many players around. So we appreciate her. And like I said before, who she is will live on in a lot of us to this day and forever on. Um, I know with me personally, <sighs> playing under her wasn't always easy. I can say that. Um, but at this age, I look back at it and it was actually appreciated because she taught me how to be a woman. And it wasn't so much about being a player. Just the things that I thought were <laughs> not basketball related or insane during the time. Um, I can see 
where her thought process and was going and like what she was expecting to get out of us um, with, with just, you know, how your hair looks and just the simple things, how you eat, how you carry yourself, how you walk. Um, when you enter a room, just taking up space, allowing people to see you for who you are, always demanding uh, what you deserve and wanting more, never taking less than you deserve. And, and just moving gracefully. And that's just how she moved. She moved real gracefully. And um, I think that th that part of her is what I, I possess. So I'm thankful for that because I watched her um, as much as I didn't understand it then. I understand it way more now at this age. Do you, do you think when, when you, when you think about the role that you're taking on and, and I'm eager to talk about this role as well, but do you think that without your experience at Rutgers that you would be prepared for it in the same way? No. I don't think that I would be prepared for it in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I say that is because I, I, have, I have just a slight understanding of how, you know, like I, I mentioned about the sacrifice, um, what you have to give, what's needed in order to be successful, what's needed in order to help others around you, you know, attain what they want and aspire um, to get. So I, I see, I've seen that in her, her work ethic and how she showed up every day for us, even in the hardest of times, even, you know, with her daughter, um, years before, you know, just reading her book and her talking about her stories of how she still had to show up to work at, like after her husband passed and everything. Um, so just in those moments, understanding that there's, there's always things that's bigger outside of you and to move with that kind of consciously to know that when I'm entering this position that it's about others. Um, and no matter what it looks like day in and day out, consistency of being myself, I can't learn anywhere else. So just being naturally who I am will help me get through this new job. The midway point of the season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Wait a minute. The WNBA season is happening right now? It's February. This is all about free agency. I'm confused. Oh, whoops. I meant the midway point of the NBA season. Yes, the Men's National Basketball Association's trade deadline just passed. An NBA All-Star, which will feature Diamond Shields and Enrique Agumbawale, is coming. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. So what might we see at NBA All-Star this weekend? What will the point total be? How many points will Arike and Diamond score in the celebrity game? How many threes will Luka Doncic take and make? Also, there's many more exclusive bets, like the 2x3, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout 
with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. It, it is a job. I, I mean, again, if you'll forgive my getting a bit nostalgic on it, but it's as a point of personal privilege, a job to emphasize others like you talk about. How, how many times through the time that you played where we'd have a conversation, I'd ask about something, you a play you made, and you talked in return about somebody else. So I, I, I guess I wonder with that being, you know, a consistent framework that you have obviously brought to your basketball world, how you came to focus on yourself to make the decision that it was time to stop playing and it was time to move into a different position. Just take me through what your thought process was, how you came to that, you know, what, what, what that period of time was like for you. So honestly, I thought I was going to retire five years sooner. Um, I thought, you know, okay, well, I think I had enough, like, what more do I get from this besides the WNBA championship, right? Um, do I want to chase this? Like, uh, what do I need to feel to be fulfilled? And honestly, I was fulfilled. I like those that I was around. I enjoyed being around. I enjoyed being around the game. Um, so that was what helped me stay longer because I truly appreciated just the individuals. Um, now what brought me to the decision of no longer wanting to play just was trying to listen to my body more. Um, and unfortunately I just, the running that they, they always see me do and how, what made me, me getting up and down the floor, obviously that Rutgers being in shape type of post player thing, um, transitioned into the league that got a little bit difficult. Um, as time went on, nagging injuries, um, I had a major surgery uh, last year of December. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't spoken about that just yet. Uh, but, you know, a lot of that I had to deal with throughout my two years with Phoenix. So I was dealing with some things that I had to get done um, from a woman's standpoint mm-hmm. um, and that was causing me some severe pain and stuff. So I think with, with that, that, that helped me make a, a, like a full on decision on, Hey, I'm not sure my body's responding well to these, like the demand of working out the physicalness of preparing myself for a season, like year in and year out anymore. And even when I took off the year of overseas, that ended up look that looked different to me. That was a little bit harder with keeping myself, you know, um, discipline and then staying in shape, um, along with trying to help my body feel as good as possible because of the things that I was dealing with before the surgery. Um, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a good space. So not being in that good space during that time, um, mentally and physically, it started to weigh on me to be like, okay, am I, am I prepared to continue to give my all and continue to put myself um, out there in the best way possible? Because again, me being me is always 
the person that they love in the locker room and as a teammate is because I always led by example with working hard and pushing myself and making sure I was um, in the best conditioning, the best mental space, the best emotional space. And I wasn't there. I was fighting with that for like the last three or four years. Um, and then I had the surgery before I had this Atlanta season, which was my last season. Mm -hmm. And my body just felt different. It just felt harder to get to where I felt like I was myself and where I was usually at um, coming into a WNBA season or even that of a European season. Mm -hmm. um, and after I had the surgery, I had to get myself back into shape. Um, and I didn't like the feeling of what that like what that really felt like. And I didn't feel like I could give what I needed to give, which mentally took a toll on me. Um, and, I, you know, with my teammates is I love them and I always want to give put my best foot forward, no matter what that looks like day in and day out, um, no matter the outcome, like I said before. So when that became a strain on what I could actually give and I felt I didn't feel like I was fully myself, um, not knowing exactly how to deal with that was more so of, hey, I need to take a break. I need to give my body a chance to actually recover. And you can't give, you can't half ass it in the WBA. So you just got to give it all the way or you, or you don't. And I feel like at this time, um, I wanted to step away and just allow the the younger girls to, you know, take what's theirs at the moment um, because there wasn't any more I could do besides vocally being there. And if I'm there for them vocally, emotionally, and supportively, um, why do I have to run these, 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 these drills and get up and down with Tanisha's, <laughs> her, her, her program of sprints and stuff. I don't have young legs anymore. Um, <laughs> my body wasn't feeling as young as before. I sure. told her time and time again, uh, I felt like I was back at, at Rutgers in college and she would laugh at me. And I was like, look, these young girls got it. But I am so competitive that I don't think my mind had caught up to my body and I wanted to do it. And I kept getting these, these injuries and nagging injuries. And every time I, I thought I felt good, mm -hmm. something else popped up. So I felt like, you know, my body was telling me, Hey, before this gets real, real serious, um, it just may be time to hang it up. Um, and I, you know, I married, I had the conversation with my husband time and time again. Um, and I just want to give my body, the break. I've been playing basketball since I was 13. And I just felt just in that moment that it was, this was the right team to end it with um, around some great people. Although, you know, they wanted me to play another year and uh, only by the grace of God, that would have happened, you know, but I do. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, you talked about the challenges in Phoenix and, um, you know, I just, I just, did you feel like you had support here in Atlanta, emotionally at least, to, uh, you know, to put you in a different headspace when it came to the 2022 season, you know, to be the same place where Tanisha is, you know, and being able to rely on folks around the Atlanta dream. I just wonder how much of a part that played in you getting to where you needed to be emotional, even if, you know, we can kind of never win that war with our bodies and aging going in one direction, unfortunately, for all of us. Yeah. Um, Phoenix, they, uh, f uh, most of the team and staff was aware of, you know, what I was dealing with physically. 
And this is during the time that I actually, I, um, it got worse. It was, it was getting worse. Hmm. Um, I found out I had this thing in my body and, you know, like I mentioned before, I haven't spoken about it yet. And soon I will like in full detail. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want you to talk about what you're comfortable talking about with this. Oh yes. Um, all right. You know, it was something that it showed, it showed up when I was overseas and, um, apparently my body was actually dealing with it for a long time, but I have high pain tolerance. So usually I'm ignoring things and, to all of the women out there, even men, but particularly women, because a lot of the times I feel like with pain, we kind of ignore it. We push through um, and we don't give a second look into like what our bodies are trying to tell us. And I think that we should do more advocating for our bodies and actually go get tested and looked at um, in the earlier stages and signs of it all. Um, I think that if I was to have listened to my body those last few years in Washington, I wouldn't have been so like, um, so in so much pain my last two seasons in Phoenix. So they were aware of it. Uh, it was really tough in a lot of those games. My, my teammates were very supportive, even um, Diana. She, she understood what I was dealing with um, for the most part. She was very encouraging. Like some games, I just felt like I just couldn't give enough, um, which made it real difficult. Again, I'm very like competitive. I love my teammates. I want to be out there on the floor. I want to give 100%. And that started to look different. Yeah. That started to look different. It started to feel different. And then not being able to like really understand like what was happening with me. And then I don't talk about it. So to get like the backlash of, oh, this isn't who we wanted and everything, those things played a part into like how it made me feel. And I felt worse about it because it's like, well, I don't want to have this type of game or this type of feeling or have to um, fight through this type of pain or whatever the case is. Um, and I was going to retire after then. And I had the call with Dan and Tanisha and, you know, I played with Tanisha. Um, I've known of Tanisha since I was first in the league. And like, I really respect her. I love her. And I like, I bought into what she was, she was selling. So I was like, okay. And Dan was like, yeah, you know, we would love you here. And again, just like the conversation with Phoenix, it was more so of a, we want to bring you here. Um, you can add to the team as much as you can, but we really want you to be able to be in this locker room and to show them like what a pro's pro is and everything. Um, and I, I, I took on the, that role maybe midway through my career of, Hey, maybe, you know, this is just the way it's supposed to go for you and yeah. not the person like, you know, that's going to get the ball and have all of these, these accolades and be the top scorer. This is just the leadership role that <laughs> you're, you've stepped into and you have to take it on fully. Um, so without putting on the Jersey, mm -hmm. I obviously am now kind of doing the same thing and will be, you know, more hands-on with the younger girls and the other players who need my help. Um, but again, Atlanta has, because of the personnel, they've, they've made it a lot like easier for me. Um, it wasn't too stressful. And then, because Phoenix was just, you know, they were trying to repeat a championship run and everything that that was just more stressful on me. Atlanta was trying to rebuild. There was no pressure. Um, and what they were asking of me was something I felt like I could I could deal with and my body could actually deal with. 
during the time of uh, post-surgery and getting myself back together because I, it was, it looked different. So I, I do also at, at the risk of bringing my statistical nerdery into it. I do want to point out that your assist per 100 possessions numbers were the highest in your final three seasons in the league in Atlanta and in Phoenix as well. So again, you know, passing out of the five was something that you added and found and set teammates up on the court as well. Again, it just is, seems to me this through line, like you're talking about that goes through your career and it's, you know, it's evident everywhere you go, everything that people have to say about your career, but it also dovetails really nicely with, your role here. And so the role of basketball operations associate, I just feel like that that's kind of the tip of the iceberg, right? What we're talking about with your career, a lot of it, I feel like comes back to, yeah, maybe teammates can know about it, but having players who played in a front office role, just the fact that we're looking at front offices that are more, uh, that are not skeletal, the way they've been for the lion's share of the time in this league and that there are people to listen, there are people to hear, and there are people to be part of that. That alone feels like such a seismically forward for this league before you get into the fact that, you know, the people like you, like Morden Tuck in Connecticut, you know, players who have the experience, who have played the game and who have dealt with injuries as well to be able to know what that's like too. Have you thought yet about, you know, the way in which the structure of you will mean something to the next Kia Vaughn who's coming in this league, who's playing right now. Yes. Um, the next Kia Vaughn, uh, definitely want to meet her for sure. Um, <laughs> there would be a lot of things that I would actually tell this younger Kia Vaughn, but. but tell I, me, I think, Kia, wait, tell me that. I, I love that. Yeah. What, so what would you tell the next Kia Vaughn first. I would tell the next kid on to, you know, just come in, no hose bar, be yourself. Um, don't look for people to say it's okay. Don't look for people to say go. Just go. And mm -hmm. naturally, it will naturally come to you within every system that you're a part of to be dominant. Um, so don't question yourself. I think my younger self questioned myself so much especially offensively because I came at, like I learned basketball being a defensive minded player yeah. that offense was always like a shaking bait kind of thing. I was always like, okay, I don't want to upset anybody. Like I'm always a team player. Um, I hope this works. I hope they don't like, I'm, I was always a people pleaser in that regard. And a lot of the coaches always was trying to push me to, you know, not be self, Fish, but be more selfless and score because my team needed it. But I just found, I don't know, I found it easier to always want my team to be like to do it and be victorious. Mm -hmm. And I always found it easier to want to uh, naturally pass the ball so my team could do it together. Don't know where that came from. Um, but I think initially, if, if I would have set out to just be like, hey, go get yours, you know, like most teams wanted me to do. Yeah. Um, I could have seen that as still getting my team to be happy and get where we needed to go the same way as I thought just not being that type of player for myself was. Sure. Um, 
And now yeah, it's college too, right? I mean, I yeah, and well, in college, yeah. I didn't have to do any scoring. I had Matias Javon, Epiphany Prince, Essence Carson. Like, um, why do you need to score? <laughs> Who? And this is what Coach Stringer was telling me. Like, I had a job, and you know, my job was to rebound, get the easy putbacks. I would post up, and when they when the guards weren't on, that's that's usually when they gave me the ball. I love y'all guards, but you did that. <laughs> so um, I I think that became who I was. Um, and then only time and time after when people actually really needed me and put me under the fire is when I showed up. But I needed to be Kia Vaughn when the fire wasn't there and just, you know, a little bit more consistent on the cooler days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that was something that I wish I would have changed uh, early on because after a while, um, it, it just it brought in too much stress to think about trying to put up all of these shots and worried about statistics and everything. I just wanted to do what was necessary um, to keep my team happy. Can and I ask you about an exception to that? There is a game on June 23rd, 2011, Liberty at Tulsa Shock, and you scored 24 points. You shot 12 for 14 from the field. 12 rebounds to go along with it. Part of that 2011 season where you won the league's most improved player. And I just wonder, do, do you take your, can, can you remember that night? Do you think back to it because it stands out so much, you know, within your career like that? Um, no, I actually don't. I think, um, I so that. a lot of the time, a lot of the, like the games in my career, unless I actually watch it on video i really i rarely remember any of it um there's a space in time where actually i feel like sometimes some of these games i actually leave my body hmm. and i no longer actually remember like the feeling or what it was or anything um and i think i adapted this way as a child with escaping a lot of things so whether it's like emotionally sometimes maybe um something else must have taken away like in that space of me remembering. So usually I don't, cause I, I don't want to dwell. I don't dwell on things. Um, and I always felt like each game presented something different. So usually I didn't rewatch it. Right. right. Because if you, if you try to do the same thing, they already watched that game just like you are. So you got to figure <laughs> it out another way. Um, no, I mean, that's a very practical way to handle it. I think if I scored 24 points, in a professional game, I'd probably have it on loop in my family room for the rest of the <laughs> Understand your approach. And that makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. So, and so I don't know how, why I was like that. Usually I didn't watch film on myself. I was always watching film on my opponents because sure. I like playing defense so much. It shows. So that was it. Yeah. I think, I think that was it more so like, okay, like how is she trying to score on me? And I think just like I was saying before, the younger Kia, I would have told, focus on how they're going to stop you and how you should score too. give mm -hmm. that a little bit more energy. I didn't give that enough energy, enough energy, I would say. Um, but none to say none, anything else, I'm super proud of how far I've come and all the things I've accomplished. And I was like, the game has given me so much. Um, I wouldn't take away anything. I wouldn't take away how I approached any game. Um, any differently because it got me the through those days and through that time, particular time and, you know, in space and time. And again, 
you know, you are 38th all time in games played in the history of this league. You year after year answered the bell and played full seasons, you know, going through so much, like you said, you know, some things that people didn't even know about. And, uh, and, and it just for you to now be able to pass this along for you to be able to provide this wisdom to the generation that's coming up. Um, it's almost enough for me not to be sad about the fact that you're no longer in the league, but other than that, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, I'm on behalf of our listeners. I want to thank you to our listeners. Thanks for listening to us every day. Make sure you're checking us out, subscribing on YouTube or forever you get your podcasts and read all the work we're doing at the We'll be back with you as we are every Monday through Saturday. Until next time, I'm Howard Magdal, founder and editor of the next host of Lockdown Women's Basketball, wishing you all a wonderful day. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.